Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I am a homicidal maniac. Right. He lit a firecracker. He, he lit a bomb. From graphic killer confessions to eerie incriminating statements to shocking descriptions of disposing bodies, we break down seven chilling courtroom admissions. Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Law & Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. All right, we want to thank Morgan & Morgan, the largest injury law firm in America, for sponsoring this video. Now, I know what you're thinking, right? Have you been injured in a car accident? Well, we're here to fight for you. That's not what they're about, okay? They have completely modernized the personal injury claim process. It's no longer the days of going in and meeting with an attorney, the tons of paperwork, the back and forth. No one's got time for that, right? There's too many social media videos to watch of animals falling off bicycles, right? On a personal note, I have to tell you, this hair is a full-time job. I can't interrupt that process. So if you're injured and you're looking for legal representation, Morgan & Morgan makes it super easy by submitting your claim, signing contracts, uploading documents and medical records, and talking to your legal team all on your phone. That is it. And when I say team, you don't just get a lawyer. You get a whole legal team that you can text throughout your case. They have 4,000 support staff. I can't even get anybody to get me a coffee over here. But here's another kicker. There's no upfront fee. No, you only pay them if you win. All the calls, the meetings, the texts, the time, the effort that they put into your case is completely free of charge. So when you're injured, Morgan & Morgan makes submitting a claim and starting the process a no-brainer. That's why over 3 million people call them every year. So if you're injured, you can check out Morgan & Morgan and submit a claim in eight clicks or less at www.forthepeople.com slash law and crime or by dialing pound law, that's pound 529 on your phone. Now, if there is one word I could use to describe criminal trials, it would be unpredictable. Because as best as we can guess what the case is going to look like and who's going to testify and to what, there's really nothing quite like hearing that testimony for the first time. And sometimes there are moments in court that are absolutely chilling, the ones that resonate with you. And that's what I want to talk to you about right now, breaking down seven of some of the most chilling in-court admissions. And when I was thinking of this list, unfortunately, Scott Nelson was the first person to come to my mind. So let's go back to June 2019 in Orlando, Florida. And this is where 55-year-old ex-con Scott Nelson was on trial for the murder of 56-year-old Jennifer Fulford, a local nanny, a wife, a mother, and a grandmother. Authorities said that Nelson burglarized a family's home back in 2017 and kidnapped Fulford, who was the family's nanny and house manager. They say he stole her car and bank card, took money out, and then killed her so she wouldn't be a witness. Her body was found in a wooded area left in a field, bound with duct tape wrapped completely around her head, stab wounds to her back and chest, and at least two struck her heart. This is a savage, savage crime. And if that description wasn't awful enough, well, Nelson gets on the stand during his trial, and he doesn't deny committing this crime. Rather, 
he admits it. Who killed Jennifer Fulford? I did. Did she appear to you to be terrified? I mean, I'm, I'm, sure, she, I'm sure she wasn't happy. You, well, you've had a knife this whole time, right? I think I left it in the vehicle. And then I had to go back and get it, I guess. Should I have dropped her off in front of OPD? Just the matter-of-fact way of admitting this is really something else. Now, he would say that he doesn't remember the stabbing and that he brought her out into the field not with the intent to kill her, but just to leave her. But he admitted. He said he killed her. And he says that he did all of this because he was left with no choice after he claims his probation officer, Julio Dominguez, ruined his life. A life that he says has been riddled with pain and agony after being locked up for so long behind bars. Well, sir, I'll be very frank with you. Um, Jennifer Lynn Fulford would be alive today had it not been for Julio Dominguez. I was employed in Winter Park for a painting company by an alleged Christian family who took it in their interest because I was such a dedicated, hard worker, allowed me to live at their employment as well. Prior to that, I had been homeless after being released from federal custody, thrown to the street, homeless with no money. He made it a point to create a situation with my employer slash landlord, which is one of the same, and he got me thrown on the street after months of suffering on the streets of Orlando. He took it upon himself to, as he called it, a third-party perspective and he went to the owner and he used vulgar language and said, what are you, blank crazy for letting this man live here? And you're going to let him work here? Get him out of here. And that got me thrown on the street. Being thrown on the street again for what? The third or was it the fourth time by the government, be it state or federal? And, you know, once you kick a dog enough times, they tend to bite back. And really, they just don't care anymore. You don't know Reed Berman, right? Never met the man. And you don't know or didn't know Jennifer Fulford? No, I don't. There was nothing that either one of them ever did to you that would have resulted in you taking some sort of revenge on them for you know, some moral cause. I believe the term is uh, collateral damage. Jennifer Fulford innocent woman who gets caught up in Nelson's life was just, according to him, collateral damage. Wow. Just his rationale, playing victim almost, credible. And in a case where the jury would have to decide life in prison or the death penalty, he had some final words for them too. I am a homicidal maniac. Mr. Nelson, do you want to be sentenced to death? Yes. Well, as you can imagine, Scott Nelson was convicted of the murder of Jennifer Fulford, and despite his request to be put to death, the jury could not come back with a unanimous decision on the penalty, and so he was sentenced to life in prison, going back to the place that he hated so much. Now, I can't talk about chilling courtroom admissions without talking about another defendant on trial for murder, also out of Florida, James Scandarito. Back in 2018, the then 49-year-old James Scandarito was charged with the first-degree murder of his father, 74-year-old James Scandarito Sr., a former judge. And his father's remains were found in suitcases thrown on a golf course 
days after his son reported him missing. The evidence, including surveillance footage, showed that the younger Scanderito was the last one with his father, and they tracked him to the golf course. It also didn't help Scanderito too much that he was to receive approximately $800,000 as the sole beneficiary of his father's financial accounts. But this son takes the stand. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And he says he didn't kill his father. No, he says that they were partying together, that they were doing cocaine, and he found his dad unresponsive. So he says he panicked. He was buzzed, he was drunk, he was high on coke, he was paranoid, he felt that if he called the police, he thought he would get in a lot of trouble for the drugs. So what does he decide to do? Well, he claims he tried to use a dolly to move his father's body into the bed. You have to kind of lift it up to turn it. And that's when, you know, problems occurred in terms of him starting to fall off the dolly, you know me banging it into the walls it was it, it, it i couldn't i couldn't move it i couldn't i couldn't balance him on the dolly and work it around the, the tight corner of the um of the hallway uh and i ended up just kind of falling and dropping you know the dolly with him on it um and just kind of breaking down And since that was too difficult, you got to hear from James Scandarito himself as to what he decided to do next, because it is so disturbing. Have you decided in your mind what you're going to have to do? I have. And what was that? That I'm going to have to dismember my dad to be able to move him out of the house. Do you leave him on the dolly, take to the dolly in the garage? Uh, yes. Okay. And do you do that when you are dismembering Yes. I roll the dolly uh, over um, when I am um, doing the uh, uh, dismembering of the uh, uh, extremities. And so you are cutting those portions that are hanging off of the dolly? Yes. You are actually cutting through your use of what? A saw. Okay. An electric saw or a handsaw? No, it's a handsaw. I take a, a garbage bag and I kind of cover let's, the, 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 par, the part that is being um, dismembered. 
Um, so when the 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 arm, let's say, is finally dismembered, it's it's kind of falls into the the garbage bag. And with those garbage bags individually, what would you do with them? Um, when I, uh, I, I ended up, eventually ended up putting them all into um, three suitcases. How long does it take you to do this? I mean, it seemed like I was doing it all night. I mean, I know Dr. Mote said it was easy. Um, and, and maybe it's not, you know, physically strenuous, um, but, you know, it wasn't, I would, it was not something that I, uh, it was a quick, <laughs> it, it was a long time. Just taking a step back for a second, this guy is not only freely admitting to chopping up a human body but the body of his 74-year-old father. Think about that. And you might be saying, well, of course, he was convicted, right? You would be wrong. The jury actually acquitted him of the murder of his father, but convicted him of abuse of a corpse. Yeah, I remember covering this trial and saying this story, this, the specificity with which he said it, the detail, how he described it, his emotion, seemed like the jury felt that there was no way someone could make that up. It had to be real. They felt he was telling the truth. But he wasn't off the hook because James Scandarito was sentenced to 15 years in prison. Okay, let's move away for a moment from defendants' admissions in court. What about those chilling admissions made by a witness? That takes us to the 2019 trial of Roy Coons out of Tennessee. 47-year-old Coons was charged with the first-degree premeditated murder of 12-year-old Johanna Ortega. Prosecutors allege that Coons, a neighbor of Ortega, went into her home, snuck up behind her, and strangled her to death. He was also charged with felony murder, aggravated criminal trespassing, and attempted child rape because there was evidence to suggest that he may have tried to sexually assault her. So at one point in the trial, a man named Moses Okoth takes the stand, and he testified that he knew Coons, met him in 2016, but in 2017, just a few weeks after Johanna Ortega's murder, Coons asked to stay with Moses in his tent at a camping site. Moses was homeless at the time, and they apparently became good friends. And what did Coons allegedly tell him? Well, he said that he wanted to move out to California and had enough of this place. Pretty suspicious, but not as alarming as what he next told Moses. Ray, during this time, ever make any statements to you um, concerning God and forgiveness? That was a normal conversation. We talked about like three times a day. Just, it was always the same question. If I ever kill somebody, do you think God will forgive me? He just asked me if I ever killed somebody. I didn't ask him if he ever did, but he told me. He, he has. He didn't tell me who he was or mm-hmm. how long he was, but he said he did. But And he, this is his word. That shit sticks with you. That's what he said. As soon as I walked out of his tent, I, I was so freaked out. I, I, I never get scared. <laughs> but... I don't have hair. I felt like my hair was growing, and I walked out of the tent. I, I tripped. He even asked me, are you okay? Uh, I was okay. I said I was okay, so I went to my tent, and uh, Alexander was sleeping in there, and I kind of like just whispered in my ear, her ear and said, just be careful with Ray, because he told me he killed somebody. 
pretty frightening right there. And in the end, the jury convicted Roy Coons, but not a first-degree murder, actually second-degree murder of Johanna Ortega. They didn't believe that this was premeditated. They also convicted him of the other charges, and Coons was sentenced to life in prison, plus an additional 25 years. When I think about in-courtroom chilling admissions, I remember one particular description of a murder that was so haunting, and that is the famous case, the story of Gypsy Rose Blanchard. This was the girl who pled guilty to second-degree murder in 2016 for the 2015 killing of her 48-year-old mother, Dee Dee Blanchard, when she was just 23 or 24 years old. Now, why would she do this? Well, the evidence showed that Dee Dee physically and emotionally abused Gypsy through Munchausen syndrome by proxy. That's a condition whereby Dee Dee convinced the world and forced Gypsy to appear to be sick and rife with all these health ailments to gain sympathy and gifts and money. Dee Dee basically was accused of imprisoning her daughter for years. And when Gypsy found out, when she found out the truth, she recruited her boyfriend, 24-year-old Nicholas Godijan, a man she met online, to kill her mother. And that is exactly what Godijan did. Traveled to Missouri, went into Dee Dee's bedroom with Gypsy right outside, and stabbed Dee Dee to death. His defense team argued at his murder trial that he was on the autism spectrum and at a low IQ and that he was manipulated by Gypsy. Well, if you want to talk about chilling statements, let's talk about what happened when Gypsy Blanchard took the stand in his trial and talked about the planning of killing her mom and what she heard as her mother was butchered and also what Godijan wanted her to do after the murder. Had you discussed alternative methods of killing your mother? Yes. What other alternatives had you considered? Poison, arson, guns. Why did you not consider poison? It was too hard to find an odorless, tasteless poison. Why didn't you kill your mother? I didn't believe I could do it. Could you explain what you mean by that? I don't like blood. I don't like the sight of blood. Frankly, I'm too squeamish. It was the defendant that told you he wanted to stab your mom. Correct. When the defendant agreed to kill your mom, at some point he told you that he also wanted to rape her. Yes, sir. You did not want the defendant to rape your mom, correct? Yes. And when he asked you about raping your mother, you actually talked him out of it, right? Yes. And you did so by offering the alternative that he would be able to rape you after the murder, correct? That's correct. Very disturbing to listen to, and frankly, shocking to hear. And the main point there is, the reason that testimony was so crucial is because it showed that Godijan knew what he was doing, that he had planned certain aspects of it, and he had these sadistic fantasies regarding the brutal killing. And that could be why the jury convicted Nicholas Godijan of first-degree murder and armed criminal action, and he was ultimately sentenced to life in prison plus 25 years. All right, as we continue our analysis of some of the most chilling in-courtroom admissions, we want to move on to a relatively recent case that stands out, and that is of Andre McDonald, the 43-year-old Air Force major who was accused of murdering his 29-year-old wife, Andreen McDonald, out in Texas back in 2019. You see, Andreen's body was found discarded in a field months after she was reported missing. She was beaten to death. And during his trial this past year, the prosecution alleged that 
Andre, who was law enforcement's prime suspect, had actually confessed to Andreen's sister and mother about the killing. And that devastating testimony for the defendant, that wasn't it, because prosecutors say that he killed Andreen because she had been having an affair and she was trying to start her own business in her own name. Well, that is when Mr. McDonald took the stand. And did he deny killing Andreen? Nope. Oh, he said he killed her, but acted in self-defense. So he says that they got into a fight after a meeting at a tax office where he said that she, he found out she was ripping him off. So he says he needed to collect himself. He comes back home at around midnight, says a fight broke out after he said to her he's going to get a divorce. She gets angry. She starts shouting derogatory things to him. And that is when he says what happened next. So at that moment, she then repeats the boy, but this time at the end she spits in my face. So at that point, this was like reflex. I grabbed her because she's like right in front of me, so I grabbed her head. I think we had like a, a clash of heads, and I think it opened up like a cut somewhere on her face. She gets extremely angry, and that's when she comes, you know, across the, the bathroom from the switch back towards the door, standing there to attack me. She's like throwing like some punches, so I'm trying to like duck down and like keep my head, my face from, you know, getting hit with the blows. And then in between the scuffle, I remember like grabbing her and like tripping her over one of my legs. And then she like falls and that's when I kick her like twice. When she got the, the, the second kick, I think I heard like some type of wheezing. Then he hears these footsteps and thinks it's his seven-year-old daughter, Elena, who was in the home. So he goes upstairs, leaves Andrine on the floor, tries to put his daughter back to bed, and when he comes back down to check on Andreen, here's what he finds. I notice Andreen is still lying on the floor. So I bent over, and then I, like, like grabbed her face and then, like, feel like if I could feel, like, a pulse or something, and then I put my, my ear next to, like, her nose to see if she was breathing, and she was not. What, what kind of reaction did that make? So at that point... Honestly, man, I, I became, like, pretty frantic at that point because, oh, fucking shit, you know, uh, you know, she's dead on the floor. You know, we just had a fight, obviously. You know, I'm going to get blamed for this. And I got a seven-year-old autistic kid upstairs that was going to take care of her. So, I mean, it was a really pretty scary situation. And according to Mr. McDonald, he panics and he decides he needs to get rid of the body of his wife before his daughter discovers what happened. So he puts her body in trash bags, drags the body across the house, puts her in the trunk of, of his car, and then drives her into the field. And if you thought him describing how he killed his wife and drug around the house in plastic bags wasn't disturbing enough, well, after he discards her body in that field, he goes back to it. And he says he started thinking about how angry he was at her for this whole situation. In fact, he claims he was the victim in all this. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. And then listen to what he does to her body. I get really angry, so at that point I poured like the gas 
honor and then I, I lit the fire. So at that point, you know, I got a hammer, and, you know, body's like right there. So at that point, I just got really pissed off and try and started like, you know, hitting the body with the hammer. So I know I was like hitting like in the face and like the, the neck area. And I remember like at first I hit her in the face with the with the like the hammer front, and then I used the claw and like hit her in the neck area. And I remember the, the the claw got stuck in like her neck, and then that's when I like I was like ripping the the, the hammer out. I thought I was done, but as I'm like trying to like walk away, I give it like one more whack somewhere on the body. I'm not sure where that landed. Now you might hear that and say. Oh my gosh, of course the jury convicted him of murder. Well, you would be wrong. The jury actually found him guilty of only the lesser charge of manslaughter. So he was sentenced to 20 years in prison and then pled guilty to evidence tampering charges where he was hit with an additional five years in prison. Okay, sticking with more chilling statements made in court, let's go over to the tragic Waukesha Parade Massacre out of Wisconsin, where Darrell Brooks Jr. was accused of driving a red SUV into a group of holiday attendees. This happened back in 2021 during the Waukesha Christmas Parade. Six people were killed, dozens of others were injured, and since this happened in broad daylight, multiple witnesses testified to what they unfortunately saw and heard. I heard and saw the impact. I watched the body fly up onto the hood and her head snapped back and the body remained on the hood as it passed the side of my vehicle to where I thought I could have just reached out and grabbed her. The car veered kind of in front of me. I saw brake lights and saw what, it, what was Jane fall off the hood. He proceeded to, and she was on basically on the, on the right side of his vehicle, and he proceeded to run her over with the right front tire, then the right rear tire, and at that point I was just focused on the body on the ground, but I remember hearing the roar of the engine again. Did you see the red SUV strike any people in the Catholic community group? Several. Did you see anybody like actually fly or roll or tumble? Yeah, so originally it was, we, I heard sounds like thuds and then it was in the air um, like bowling pins. I saw a man focused on the group ahead of him. Is that Daryl Brooks that you saw? Yes. Obviously, you can imagine those are sights that will forever change those witnesses. And honestly, that is testimony that I know has stayed with me and probably will stay with the jury forever. Speaking of that jury, they convicted the 40-year-old of all 76 charges, including six counts of first-degree intentional homicide, and he was sentenced to multiple consecutive life terms of imprisonment without the possibility of parole. All right. Our final memorable chilling courtroom admission is another recent trial, Darren Ruben Lopez. So out in Texas, Lopez was accused of shooting and killing 49-year-old American Airlines employee James Jamie Faith back on October 9th, 2020. But here's the kicker. James's wife, Jennifer Faith, was Lopez's high school girlfriend. Yeah, prosecutors say the two reconnected. They started an emotional relationship or affair, exchanging thousands of texts and calls. And Jennifer convinced Lopez that James was abusing her, which was a lie. 
And so Lopez drove from Tennessee to Texas to kill him in order to save Jennifer. She ended up pleading guilty to a federal charge of orchestrating her husband's murder. She was sentenced to life in prison. As for Lopez, he argued he was manipulated by Jennifer. She deceived him, convincing him that she was in danger when she wasn't. Lopez is also a special forces veteran who suffered a brain injury that might have gone into consideration as well. Well, Lopez took the stand and he explained how and why he gunned down James Faith. That's when I, I fired I fired my gun into Jamie. How many times? It was, uh, well, I fired a total of eight shots, I believe, and seemed like only seven hit. Uh, I missed one. Um, I, you know, I started out in his chest. I saw, uh, you know, from the autopsy report, you see, see the one in his upper right chest um, as he was walking. So then you see from the, also the autopsy report then, so it's, uh, I, that gets hit. Jamie starts to rotate to his right. That's what makes him fall. That's why on the top autopsy report also you saw the contusions and bruises along his knee, his shin. I, I knew I shot, I shot his chest. He started to turn, and then I continued to put in, in, his, in, in his side. I mean, into his... I was aiming for the center mass, but he was turning. And when you were doing this, was it your belief, though, that you were shooting someone who was dangerous? Yes, he was going to... If I didn't act, Jennifer was going to die that day. She was going to be drowned. Being a medic, treating people on the battlefield, the human body can take a lot of damage and still live. I did not want Jamie to suffer. Even though, in my eyes, he was a monster, I did not want him to suffer. So I approached and... I fired the rounds into his head. How often do you hear a defendant not only admitting to killing someone, but giving a play-by-play description of it? And despite his arguments that he was not to blame, that he believed these lies that were fed to him by Jennifer Faith, the jury convicted Darren Ruben Lopez of murder, and the 49-year-old was sentenced to 62 years in prison. Well, those were just a sampling of some of the most chilling courtroom admissions that we have heard, I'm sure they will not be the last. Thanks for joining us here on Sidebar, everybody. We really do appreciate it. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Weber. I'll speak to you next time. Mm